1: Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more platforms. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. So, welcome to the latest edition of Laces Out. Jarrett Bailey, Kurt Hamas are with you. Heading into week five, we've got Thursday Night Football tonight, Bucks-Bears. Got a lot to talk about going into all of Sunday's matchup. Kurt, how are you?
0: I'm doing great, my friend. Uh, we are a day earlier. Usually, we, we like to get these episodes out on a Tuesday and a Friday, but uh, we like to keep people on the toes. So, uh, we're, we're releasing today on Thursday. So, I'm doing yeah. good.
1: Yeah, and the reason we're doing it on Thursday is because our buddy Benjamin Albright, that's when he's the most free to, to give us a little bit of time, so we'll bring Ben in. Ben, how are you, mate?
2: I am doing all
1: right. How are you guys? Fantastic. Uh, living the dream. Well, we're, as a Steeler fan, I'm doing a little bit better than Kurt is right now because it looks as if his Buffalo Bills won't be taking the field this Sunday.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, it's it's disappointing, but, you know, it's 2020. You just gotta, you gotta go with the flow, so... Uh, we're doing all right as long as, you know, everything stays in Tennessee. Hopefully they can get that figured out and it doesn't spread too much here. But uh, Benjamin, we will bring you in on this topic because I'm sure I've seen it on Twitter. You're, you're, uh, you're dealing with a lot, of, a lot of people that think they know more than you. So uh, what are you hearing exactly from Tennessee and from the league for uh, this week and going forward?
2: Well, they're discussing a, a variety of different
0: uh, punishment-type
2: scenarios
0: because they've very obviously flaunted protocols. They
2: were told on September 29th, no in uh, uh, no meetings inside the facility, no meetings outside the facility. Um, the protocols, it's, it's over 50 pages just for the preseason stuff. That doesn't even include the regular season. I can tell you that the radio broadcast, uh, I'm a part of the Broncos radio broadcast, uh, I, I can do the radio broadcast guidelines just for the, the four-man booth up there uh, is, is over 20 pages. So the idea that these people are not prepared and don't have rules and guidelines and everything else for all this stuff is, is absolutely ludicrous. Tennessee deliberately flaunted the rules. They're going to get punished for it. Uh, we're going to see what that's going to be. They don't want to forfeit games. Um, the league doesn't simply because they're worried about the fantasy football and gambling implications. Mm. Uh, they are now partnered with a lot of uh, monetary endeavors that uh, have to do with that. They, they want to avoid 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 that so it will probably wind up being heavy fines and draft pick losses but um, as it stands that's they're still discussing that so
1: in terms of playing this game if they don't want to forfeit um, are we maybe gonna go along the route of maybe adding an extra week to the season adding extra weeks Um, you know we know that the NFL you know set everything up to where if this was needed they could kind of uh, mess around with the schedule a little bit so what's kind of what would be the plan of attack on that route?
2: Well, initially, they didn't want to add extra weeks for several reasons, one of which was uh, they wanted to leave that stopgap for themselves later on as late as possible. Uh, so they wanted to try to rearrange schedules as much as possible. However, we've kind of come up against it already in terms of uh, you know being able to manipulate the schedule and move things around without significantly impacting entire um, division schedules. So at this point, it looks like they're probably going to add uh, one week, a week 18, um, and use that as a dumping ground for some of these games. Um, they're probably there were some people out there that were speculating on some things they're probably not going to be a pro bowl this year um so anybody who was worried about that being affected and i don't know how many of you were actually worried about the pro bowl not being played but <laughs> whatever uh is uh, that's probably not going to happen
1: well the 13 people that watch the pro bowl every year were terribly sorry to inform you of that
0: they will be awfully disappointed uh do we know the exact numbers? I think it's they're up in the double digits, right, for, for Tennessee staff and players. They're
2: yeah, they have 22 positives.
0: 22, okay. I thought it was in the teens somewhere. but Okay, so, I mean, like I said, let's just hope, you know, they get it figured out. Hopefully it doesn't spread anywhere else because we, we see Stephon Gilmore. He, he seems to uh, test positive for COVID. But it, it's interesting because nobody on Kansas City tested positive, and they just played each other. Uh, We saw the Raiders have somebody that tested positive. Nobody from the Buffalo Bills tested positive. So it seems like, you know, every other team is following protocol. It seems like, you know, is is Tennessee just kind of the odd man out that just is kind of deliberately going against what the league is telling them to do?
2: Uh, pretty much. So far, that's the case. With Stefan Gilmore, what actually happened is he and Cam Newton went out to dinner on Friday night. Cam had taken his test that Friday morning and wasn't actually given a positive until after that dinner. Uh, otherwise, they would not have gone to that dinner together. So with Stefan Gilmore, that's what happened there with the Patriots. With the rest of them, uh, with Tennessee, you've just got a team that flaunt, that's flaunting the rules. Um, mm-hmm. With everybody else, as soon as they have positives, they quarantine and go from there. Kansas City had a positive with their practice squad quarterback, uh, Jordan Tahamu. But, uh, you know, like I said, they mitigated that right away. And, you know, they have seem to have been the better for it. Well, besides that, you know, obviously
1: we'll keep, you know, up to date with what happens with Tennessee. But we do have other games. To talk about this weekend since we're on the topic of New England and they play Denver this weekend we can jump right into that because Denver was a team that a lot of people were high on coming into this year and then the injury bug almost as much as any team in the league really bit them hard they lose Von Miller, Drew Locke goes down with that AC joint injury, Uh, just a multitude of guys that they really had to cycle through specifically at quarterback. One, is Brett Rippen going to get his second straight start this weekend, or are they going to go back to whether it be Jeff Driscoll, whether Blake Bortles gets in? What's going to be the situation in Denver this weekend as they play the Patriots?
2: Well, Blake Bortles will get the start. Excuse me, uh, uh, Brett Rippin will get the start. Blake Bortles and Jeff Driscoll have been practicing his backups. They've gotten through a little bit of work. They're going to cautiously test him out next week. I don't believe he's going to play in this game. Uh, against the Patriots. I think it'll be Miami uh, or a game after that when they finally get him going. Um, and, you know, so Rip, uh, Rippon will get the start, and then Driscoll, Driscoll and Bortles will be available for backup duties uh, as needed. Um, they may work some some package, some goal line and, and red zone packages for Driscoll to take advantage of his athleticism. Um, so you may see some you may see some of that where Driscoll will come in and run some RPO-type stuff. But other than that, it's, it's going to be the Brett Rippon show.
0: Hmm. It's disappointing to see because, you know, Jerry, you and I are pretty high on the Broncos coming into this year. And I think a lot of people were very excited to watch them this year with the young talent they have. And uh, it's 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 tough to watch guys go down like that. But we can kind of stick on the, the quarterback talk here because we had some big news coming out of uh, both Washington and Los Angeles. Both of them, you know, one, one for the good, one for the bad. Uh, Los Angeles announced that Justin Herbert will be their starter going forward here. Uh, you know, Tyrod Taylor is going to stay on the bench because they're liking what they're seeing from Herbert. And then Washington is, is benching Dwayne Haskins, which, you know, maybe not a total surprise, but I think it was a little bit of a surprise. Uh, Ron Rivera goes with, with his guy, Kyle Allen from Carolina. So I don't know, Benjamin, what, what are you thinking here? Do you think that's kind of the right move to not give up totally, but move on from Dwayne Haskins this quick?
2: I don't know if they're moving on from I know they're taking a step back though and sometimes taking a step back can be good for a quarterback You know, it gives you the opportunity to kind of assess what it is you're missing on, where you're missing and, and reevaluate and go forward and uh, for Haskins you're talking about a guy who didn't really get the playbook very well wasn't uh, on field, wasn't making the quickest decisions, the right decisions, Allen has familiarity with the offense and I think you just go from there. Um, You know, having Allen out there, a guy who's familiar with the offense and somebody Haskins can kind of watch and observe may help Dwayne Haskins in the long run. Um, So I I don't think Haskins is done. I don't even think he's done at Washington. I just think for right now they want to take a step back with him and uh, and, then go from there. I think a lot of it also has to do
1: with the fact that the NFC East is god-awful right now and Washington's still only a game out of the division leads. So realistically speaking, I mean, they could, if Kyle Allen performs well, they could really be in the thick of things come December making a push for uh, a division title. And I tweeted this out earlier, Kurt, I would love nothing more than to see the Washington football team win the division at six and <laughs> 10.
0: It, it makes, it blows my mind that one whole division of four professional football teams can just play that poorly. And, you know, injuries are a big thing with, with the Eagles who, or or my favorite coming into this season, but it's tough. It's tough to watch. It's ugly football sometimes with some of those teams.
1: Oh, yeah, and one of us picked the Eagles to go 12-4 and this year, and I'm not going to say which one, but Uh it wasn't Kurt. so. So we can stick with the NFC East, Ben, because Philadelphia, they're coming off that road win against San Francisco. They head to Pittsburgh this weekend. As a Steeler fan, I know that Pittsburgh has a game a year in the first half of the year where they should beat a team badly and they screw it up because they play down the competition. I'm nervous for this weekend because I think Carson Wentz
2: is starting to kind of get in the groove. What are your, what's your outlook, at least for Philadelphia? I think Pittsburgh should win this game. Uh, you're talking about a team that uh, has one of the best front seven in football going up against a bad offensive line and a team without really the receiving talent there in Philly so I think that uh, Pittsburgh should win there I I liked Philly coming into the season but like the Broncos they're another team that's been racked by injury you know you look at that receiving core you look at that offensive line they've just been kind of devastated by it and you know offensive line outside of quarterback is the second most important group or position in football Uh, and then you start looking at pass rush pass protect all that kind of stuff but uh, if you can't protect your quarterback doesn't matter how good he is he's not gonna be able to get the ball off and that's gonna that's gonna put you behind so that's kind of been the problem with Philly um, you know they managed to, to work some things out in that San Fran game and they got gifted some turnovers but uh, if they don't, if they can't get something like that going against Pittsburgh early it could be it could be in for a long day
0: now Ben I can't let you leave unless we talk about my Buffalo Bills just a <laughs> little bit so I want to sprinkle this in a little bit because I did see you tweet out you know saying how before the season started you picked the the Chiefs and the Bills to meet in the conference championship and people were calling you crazy, but now they're laughing at them. So uh, just give me your, you know, your outside opinion. You, you cover the Broncos. You cover the NFL as a whole. Your outside opinion of what you've seen from the Buffalo Bills, what you've seen from Josh Allen, because it seems like they're just putting on a show. It seems like they're just having so much fun out there. Uh, 4-0. Should have been 5-0 this weekend if they would have played Tennessee. But uh, we, will, we will see where they go from there. And they got a big matchup against the Chiefs, which will most likely be their next game. Uh so just just pleasure me tell tell me what you what you think <laughs> about the the Buffalo Bills this year
2: well, it's not often I come on one of these and get asked to pleasure someone, but I'll. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I think that uh, I, I think Buffalo's—they've always been a good defensive team since uh, since they made the switch, and the, the coaching switch. They've been a great defensive team for a couple of years now. They just need to get the offense going. And you know, like I said before the season start, if you get consistency out of Josh Allen, you can see this team take off. And you know, they put the pieces around him to get that. The one thing that he was missing uh, the last couple of years was a guy that uh, could be a fifty-fifty ball guy. You know, could could be that guy that uh, you could put the ball and let him go make a play. They had a bunch of pinball receivers, you know, uh, speedy small guys that uh, that really couldn't go up and get a football. They added Stefan Diggs, and, and now that's really taken off. Um, you know, you've got Cole Beasley, who's an excellent route runner, but, you know, smallish guy. you got John Brown, who's got all world wheels. Uh, McKenzie, same thing, and now you add Stephon Diggs to that mix, and all of a sudden, you've got yourself a group of receivers. So, you know, I, I think Allen's kind of coming into his own. The maturation in a lot of ways reminds me of Ben Roethlisberger, you know, a guy who had a son his first couple of years in the league, and being <laughs> honest, uh, and you know, and then got uh, got a lot better as time went on. As, he, as they stuck with him, and he had a great defense to carry him through those early years. So, you know, I think um, I think Josh is kind of on that same trajectory.
1: Okay, I, I can't I can't let that go. So,
2: <laughs> Ben Roethlisberger, I'll have you
1: know, Mr. Albright won the AP Offensive Rookie of the Year in two thousand four. Broke the quarterback rating set by Dan Marino that year. So to say, now you got that, him
0: going. Now you got him going. <laughs>
1: To say that the old franchise quarterback in Pittsburgh sucked, I think is a tad bit
2: of a stretch. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, you know, I mean, it, it could be a bit of a hyperbole, I suppose, but he wasn't exactly, he wasn't exactly, a, a, you know, lighting the world on fire. Oh, right? this is, as that is also we, true. That is also true. You mm-hmm. know, as far as rookie of the year type stuff goes, I mean, you know, that, that kind of stuff's a little bit overblown. He's, he was 17 touchdowns to 11 interceptions. Wasn't exactly yeah, he, like he was. was. Uh, like he was exactly crushing it in those 13 games. So, um, I, you know, I and he and he took what was I trying to remember how many sacks he took? It was like 25 or 30 that year. He had close to like a 10% sack ratio uh, rating that year. I, I can't I can't remember what the exact number was. But it was close to that. Um, he, he, didn't, he didn't really get going until like year four was when he broke out. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2007 was when Roethlisberger broke out, and that's why I say like the trajectory is kind of similar. Uh, he, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't brutally bad. It's not like he was out there Nathan Peterman to get up, but uh, <laughs> you know, he was uh, he was not what I would exactly call uh, uh, an asset. And at times, he was a liability. And he just got carried by a great defense through those years till until the light came on, and then he started carrying the team. Yeah, so that first year with Mike Tomlin, 32 touchdowns and 11 interceptions, and in his that's
1: first right. Pro Bowl appearance. So yeah, that's it, 07. But yeah, I do like the uh, the comp with Josh Allen because they're so much alike from when Ben was in his younger years. I mean, there's so many, and Kurt, we've talked about this before. So many times where Josh Allen will extend the play and make a good throw downfield that you know extends a drive, and then there's other times where he extends the play, scrambles out of the pocket, runs backwards 13 yards and gets sacked and just leaves your head in your palms. So I do love the comp of a young Ben Roethlisberger for Josh Allen. So from one, you know, really good team that's, you know, surprised a lot of people to a team that surprised some people in the worst ways, Houston Texans fired Bill O'Brien this past weekend. It was reported that he and JJ Watt had a heated exchange and practice. Um, and the irony in this is that uh, John McClain reporter in Houston tweeted out that Bill O'Brien will be calling the plays for the rest of the season. And then about an hour later, it was reported that he was fired. So um, you know, Houston, to me, just seems like a tire fire. They don't have any draft capital. They've got no elite talent outside of Deshaun Watson. And maybe you can say JJ Watt right now. They don't have any, you know, no capital, no talent. And really, they just seem very dysfunctional. What have you made of, of, the, of the Houston Texans? And is Deshaun Watson,
2: you think he's might, he might be regretting signing that extension? I think there's a couple of million reasons he might, I might be okay with that extension. Um, I, I think if you're the Texans, you kind of wasted your window a little bit. But O'Brien should have been fired a long time ago. And you go back and you look at the stats, the Houston Texans were significantly better off the script than on it, uh, letting Deshaun freelance. Uh, you know, O'Brien traded away the talent. I don't know how you trade away Jadavian Clowney and Nuke Hopkins and come back with less first-round picks than when you started uh, somehow, Bill O'Brien managed to pull that off. Uh, you know, and, you know, Miami's got their got their picks now, and uh, the cupboard's bare. You've got a defense that, that totally needs to be rebuilt. Uh, you've got an offense that's got nothing but a quarterback um, and and some speed some track star receivers. It's uh, it's it's embarrassingly bad over there. You're going to need a coach that can squeeze every ounce of talent out of somebody. Um, and I cannot for the life of me believe that Houston kept Bill O'Brien around when they had a, a surefire lock in bringing Matt Rule in, uh this past offseason and couldn't, couldn't get it done. So, um, you know, if, if they'd done that, I would suggest they'd be a very good football team. But, uh, you know, it's, it's a bad situation. It's going to get worse. And, frankly, it's not an attractive job. You know, the, the reason they had to fire O'Brien now is you've got to get out in front of the coaching search and try to appeal to somebody and sell somebody on this gig before some of these good jobs come open. And yeah. Kerry, before you hop, before you hop in, what are the odds that Eric Bieniemy
1: is the guy who they bring in?
2: I don't think it's it's going to be him, um, specifically not if Jack Easterby's leaving the search. And the thing about Bieniemy is this, this: this is what really bothers me. You get a lot of people out there telling me he should be the next head coach. Man, that dude—he bombs in his interviews. He was terrible as an offensive coordinator at, at CU. Uh, he's not the offensive coordinator at Kansas City, except in title. That's Andy Reid. Uh, he just relays the plays into Pat Mahomes' headset. Uh, he has a an, an atrocious personal background. If you go back and read on the guy, dating back to his days in college, in fact, he was even banned from CU's campus for the better part of a decade because he assaulted a parking attendant. Um, he's, he, there's just all kinds of stuff around this. I don't understand for the life of me. You know, you guys understand that Andy Reid and Pat Mahomes aren't coming with Eric Bieniemy to a new job, right?
1: <laughs>
2: well, on this segment of Dirty
1: Laundry, sponsored by Benjamin Albright. <laughs> All right. So Kurt, I'll let you take over after that, because uh, that seems like a, a fun way to transition out of Eric the enemy and not going to Houston.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, Houston's kind of, kind of a tire fire there, but, uh, Ben, before we let you go, I, w- I do want to touch on one more team. That's still, you know, kind of a mess. They have been for a few years now and that's the Chicago bears. Their quarterback situation has not gotten any better. They bring in Nick Foles this year. Uh he, there's a little glimmer of hope that maybe they, they got the right guy after the Atlanta game. And then, you know, he comes out, he plays a, a decent game, nothing too crazy against the Colts. What's going to be the plan there? I mean, after this year, what are you going to do? Are you going to stick with Nick Foles? Are you going to look out, elsewhere outside of, the, uh, outside of the team? I mean, they got some talent, but it seems like that quarterback position has just been haunting them for a few years now.
2: For a long time. I'm trying to remember the last time Chicago had competent quarterback play. It was probably Jay Cutler was the closest thing to it, which yeah. is you know, both astonishing and sad at the same time. Uh, I think that, um, yeah, the Bears are going to have to reset a quarterback. Trubisky isn't it. Foles was never it. Um, you know Foles has been at his best when he comes on in relief of somebody and plays a few games and you know they, they don't have a lot of tape on him so he gets to kind of get away with a couple of games before he inevitably falls back into the pit of being Nick Foles and it's you know I, I don't know I don't know why they didn't pursue Cam Newton I thought Cam would have been a good fit for them uh, but in the end you know they, they let him go to the Patriots and they look like laughing stocks for it Matt, Matt Nagy's record there as an head coach isn't that bad but he might be that guy that gets fired when they clean house even with a great winning percentage because that defense carried him the entire time yeah
0: yep. well
2: yeah
1: we talk about Bears quarterbacks I mean it was what Jay Cutler it was Mike Glennon before that before they brought in Trubisky that was the year that they signed Glennon to that I think it was a three-year 43 million dollar deal they draft Trubisky and then before that before Cutler what was it Kyle Orton and Rex Grossman
0: mm. I think
1: were the, were the ones before him so yeah that Bears quarterback situation mate it is abysmal I, I'll never understand why we keep going back to the Nick Foles well you know, there, there's only – we give him the John Gruden treatment. And I get that his Super Bowl is a lot more recent than John Gruden was as a coach. But it was a, it was a magic carpet ride that just I, – I think that we're just trying to ink out as much as we can of that. Ben, we appreciate your time as Absolutely. always, mate. Glad to talk to you. We'll talk soon, all right? Absolutely, yes. Take care. Thanks, Ben. All right. And that's Benjamin Albright, NFL insider extraordinaire.
0: Glad Class to have press him on. Game too. Got to mention oh, dude. That.
1: I was about to change –
0: <laughs> Before because, <laughs> yeah, you gotta you got put on, you know, he's always got the best suits on. He's it's, I don't know I'm wearing a, a quarter zip and a baseball hat right now. I feel like yeah. I'm, bummed when I'm talking to Benjamin Albright. Oh, yeah,
1: yeah, Ben's definitely the, one of the flashier guys in the game today. So glad, uh, we're always glad to talk to him, talk some football. So well, let's roll into, you know, the rest of this slate, maybe because there's a lot that, you know, we can really dive into. Um, when we get to our picks shortly, um, The Indianapolis Colts, Cleveland Browns game, you know, we talked about it before we went on. I like the Colts a lot. I really do. Um, It comes in at the – they're giving the Colts one and a half. I think that they cover that, you know. You look at the wins that the Browns have. It was against bad rush defenses where they were able to run all over them. Colts have the second best rush defense and the number one overall defense in the NFL right now. Mm -hmm. So – Eventually, Baker Mayfield's going to have to make a play with his arm. Quite frankly, we haven't really seen him do that in terms of winning games. So, I like the Colts a lot here. You know, I think that their defense is really going to come through. And besides the front four of Cleveland, they really haven't been impressive on defense either. So, I like the Colts. I think that they win somewhat convincingly here in Cleveland.
0: Yeah, if the Browns win this game – They'll have to win it through the air. And if they do that, I mean, the Colts just kind of have to tip their cap because mm. from what I've seen since Baker's been in the league, since this team has kind of been the new team, the new Browns, I haven't really seen them win too many games where it's been through the air. You know, we, we saw them in their games that they've won this year. It's been Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt. Those guys have been leading the way. There's no Nick Chubb this week. And it's just – it seems like, you know, I, I trust Phil Rivers more than I trust Baker Mayfield. I trust Frank Reich more than I trust Eric Stefanski. He's, he's a young guy. He seems like he's kind of clicking a little bit. He's getting it moving. But I just – I like the Colts better in this game. Brown's defense has just been pretty ugly this year. And the Colts defense had a pretty ugly week one, but they've been bouncing back. They've been looking good. So, um, yeah, I like the Colts. I like the Colts a lot this week. Um, but I do want to I, – I forget what I was just going to say. Uh, I brought it up <laughs> in my head, and then I forget what I was going to – oh, I know what I was going to say um for Miami I want to talk about Miami a little bit because let like talk about Miami I feel like we don't talk about them enough on this show they are a, uh, they're kind of an exciting team ish um they're sitting <laughs> at one and three on the year they haven't really you know been too exciting so far this year but they got a young quarterback there that is just itching to get in the game and I feel like maybe not people have forgotten about him but Maybe people have forgotten about him, that Tua Vailoa is a Miami Dolphin, and he is insanely talented, and he hasn't really gotten a shot yet. So I thought we would maybe see Tua come in around week five, week six. Uh, They do have the 49ers this week, so, I mean, I could see this being one of those games where if, if the 49ers start running away with it, you see Miami make the switch and bench Ryan Fitzpatrick, and we see Tua in his first start. So I would be excited to see that.
1: I would, I would be excited to see it, too. Um, and Miami Dolphin fans, I promise you, they haven't forgotten about Tua Um I think I agree with you. You know, if this is a game where, you know, the 49ers defense goes off, Ryan Fitzpatrick throws two or three interceptions, we're going to start hearing the murmurs. Okay, it's time to put in Tua. I don't know if they'll do it in that game, but I, I would bet a lot of money if the Dolphins struggle offensively. Ryan Fitzpatrick looks like Fitz Tragic. And turns mm-hmm. the ball over to San Francisco a lot, and it's you know a 15-20 point win for the 49ers. I would not be shocked at all if next week Tua Tagovailoa is declared the starter. Let's see who they play next week. Uh, play the because, Broncos
0: next week, so that uh, that could be the game. That could be the game because that's a winnable game. That's very that's a
1: very winnable. winnable game for them. If Tua is in that game, I'm I would definitely pick the Dolphins to win that. Now, now that all depends on what you know. We just talked to Ben about uh, uh, Drew Locke, so mm-hmm. we'll see if he's back next week. But even then. That would be one of the more low-key, exciting games of the week because you look at what, what Miami has on offense. They are by no means – you know, last year they were god-awful. They didn't really have a lot of talent, especially in the run game. Run, Running-wise, they still don't have a lot, but their offensive line got better. Devontae Parker's very good. I like Preston Williams there as well. Mike Kosicki really made, taken a nice step forward at tight end. Defensively, we rave throughout the offseason about the signings they made. They signed Byron Jones. They get a lot – they had a really good draft. So – Okay. I like what Miami's doing. They've been competitive in just about every game they've played so far. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I like Miami. I think they're going to be an exciting team. I think – honestly, right now, man, if they put in Tua – let's say they're sitting at one and four. Let me pull up the rest of their schedule, actually, because you're going to – you might call me crazy, but depending on what their schedule looks like. So, let's say they lose this weekend. They're one and four. Tua goes in against Denver. I, I, would, I might pick Miami to
0: win that. I think I would because, you know, Tua is insanely talented. People don't – people, every time Tua gets brought up, they talk about the injury, which, yeah. yes, you should talk about the injury because that's a very serious part of, you know, his playing career. Yeah. But if he's healthy, I mean, this guy – if this guy was healthy, we talked about it during the draft time. If he was healthy, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, there was talks of whether it's going to be Joe Burrow or Tua tunga at number one. But, um, yeah, I, I think, you know, if he comes in – he could make some serious noise in this league, and he could really help Miami win a few more games than what they were expected to do with Fitzpatrick. So after
1: Denver, they are home against the Chargers. That would be a tough one, but I would love to see Tua Tonga-Vailoa against Justin Herbert. I would be very on board with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's say that at that point, maybe they're maybe they're two and five because the Chargers. I, I like them better than Miami. Then they play the Rams at home again. Maybe they stump the Rams because the Rams mm-hmm. aren't going to win every game and. True. To, so, I mean, maybe they give the Rams a surprise. Let's give them one. Let's say they're three and six. Then they travel to Arizona. That's also a toss-up because it depends on how Kyler Murray and that defense look. Why not? Let's give them another one. Let's say they're four and six. Then they play the Jets at home. That's a There's win. another win. So, let's say they go on a little three-game win streak. Okay, then Miami's got, the talk of the
0: league. Then they got to buy, And then, you know, that's – And then they play Google. the Jets again. <laughs> the Jets again. That's a hell of a back-to-back. That's so, a a back-to-back.
1: right there, that's – that might be two straight wins. They could be sitting at six and six, be the talk of the league of, oh my goodness, and the Miami Dolphins and Tua tonga are going to make a run at a wild card spot. And then December 6th, one o'clock, we get the rematch. We get Joe Burrow versus Tua tonga
0: Hopefully. Hopefully.
1: I would love... Praying to God that we get Joe Burrow versus Tua Tonga-Vailoa. Tua's got to... He's
0: got to be starting by the, by at the that point of December. At that Absolutely. point, he's got to be. He's got to be.
1: Because you... I get the point of, you know, he doesn't have to come in. And I'm, I'm a proponent of guys that don't necessarily need to come in right away. But more and more, you know, we're seeing guys, they don't wait a year anymore. Okay, this isn't, you know, the early 2000s when Carson Palmer waited a year. This isn't, you know, Patrick – even Patrick Mahomes, you know, he got in in the final week when Alex Smith, you know, they had already clinched a playoff spot. They knew what they were going to be. They saw what they had in them and went forward with it. So, I w- I'm hoping that we get – A Miami Dolphins team who's around five and seven, six and six. Maybe the Bang will start putting together a few wins. Let's say they're around, you know, four or five wins. They're sitting at, you know, four, six and one, Mm -hmm. something of that nature. Where it's, you know, it has some sort of ramification. I I want to see Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow against Tuatonga Valoa. But after that, after that, you know, they've got the Chiefs, the Patriots, at the Raiders, and they they close on the road against your Bills. So. There's a team that could be anywhere between, you know, six and I'd say eight wins.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's – I think I think they could really make some noise if they make the switch to Tua, unless, you know, Fitzpatrick has one of Fitzpatrick's games where he comes in and he wins a game where he shouldn't. He throws for 400 yards and five touchdowns. He's always due for one of those games, but mm-hmm. I would have more faith in Tua doing that over, than, over Fitzpatrick. So, if he could come in, that offensive line needs to – play the game of their lives because you can't risk any injuries on this guy you can't risk any tough hits on him because yeah he's been rehabbing yeah he's been off off of you know no physical contact in a while but that's that's a delicate injury to deal with
1: and I think that if they wanted to even bring him in this week it would serve them a lot better because no Nick Bosa no Solomon Thomas the 49ers defense is banged up
0: can we talk about 49ers I don't know if you saw this too both those guys go down. Then they bring in Ziggy Ansah, and poor guy he goes down. Tears both his biceps in the first yeah. game. Whew, I feel bad for those guys, but yeah, if this, honestly, this is a good week for them because Forty is missing a lot of guys this is a very not very winnable game, but it's a winnable game. Uh, if Brian Flores puts together a good, you know, a good game plan, I could I could see it happening.
1: I could too. And you know, for Brian Flores' sake, you know, we love Brian Flores. I think he's He showed a lot last year with them winning five of their last nine after that abysmal start. So now I'm rooting for Brian, for Brian Flores. I'm rooting for Tua and I'm hoping that Miami, I hope we see him soon. If not this week, I think it'll be next week against Denver. And I I really hope we do. It'll be in the four or five window. So we get to see him, you know, and you know, one of the, uh, the nicer slots. So I would love to see it. Um, especially, especially if Drew Locke is back. So we'll see what happens down the road. Let's get to our picks, my friend.
0: Let's do it. I I have my picks at the ready. I need a big bounce back week this week because uh, you took the one game lead. I did. I'm sitting at seven and five on the year for our three game picks. You are what, eight and four, right? Uh, I am
1: eight and four. Yeah, I had a three game sweep last week.
0: You sure did. So uh, this week, I'm picking the Buccaneers in Thursday night football over the Bears. Uh, We've talked about it when they were 3-0. and They're probably the worst 3-0 and team that we've seen this year. So I think Tom Brady takes takes control of this game. I think he handles that. The good Bears defense. They do have a good Bears defense, um, and I I like Tampa Bay's defense a lot too. They've been a little iffy, but now's the week to do it if you're gonna come out and show out against you know Nick Foles. So yeah, I got Buccaneers over the Bears. I've done it the past two weeks. I picked the Cardinals back-to-back weeks. Both weeks they lose for me. I don't know why, but I'm doing it again because it's against (laughs) the Jets. It's against Joe Flacco coming in for uh, the injured Sam Darnold. So they got to do it. They can't lose three in a row, especially to the Jets. So I'm picking the Cardinals over the Jets. And then I'm picking the Seahawks. Um, I like the Seahawks. You know, I love Russell Wilson, MVP, front runner for me right now. And I I love the Vikings at the beginning of the year. I don't love them now. So. Uh, I think the Seahawks handle the Vikings, uh, and I think they go 5-0. Oh. All
1: righty. So, my three. Um, we already talked about this game. I'm taking the Colts over the Browns. I think that their rush defense slows down uh, the dynamic ground attack of Cleveland. I think they're going to make Baker Mayfield throw, and I don't think he's going to be able to do it. So, I'm going to take the Colts to go into Cleveland at a, and uh, improve to 4-1 and one and start taking a real firm hold on the AFC South after that week one loss to Jacksonville where everyone kind of threw up their hands and said, okay, are the Colts going to be a dumpster fire this year? They've rebounded with three straight wins, potentially four this Sunday. I think they get four. Um, This is a tough one because I wanted to pick Arizona as well. But since you did it, I'm going to stray away from it. And I'm going to pick somebody else.
0: switch on the fly. Okay. Yeah,
1: you really are. You know, we've done that before. And, you know, I feel like, you know, we should have some parity. So I did have a backup just in case. Um, that did happen. I am going to take um, the Rams over Washington. Um, you know, Kyle Allen coming in. I just Washington, man, they're, they're a dumpster fire of an organization right now. I love Ron Rivera, don't get me wrong. And I'm rooting like hell for him. You know, everything that he's dealing with right now, you can only root for Ron Rivera. Very easy to root for. Um, that said, the Rams are just more talented. Chase Young's been dealing with an injury. I don't even know if he's going to be in this week. Matt Iadonis isn't going to be in this week. Um, I think he's done for the year. So I like the Rams. I think they will get to four and one as well. And you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna take the Jacksonville Jaguars to beat the Houston Texans. Um, <laughs> okay. So,
0: wait, I wanna give my just I, I always say this because everybody's been t- telling me, all my friends that are, you know, betting on games or whatever, they're saying, Oh, this is such an easy pick. Pick the Jaguars. Every time the interim head coach comes in, it seems like they always have a great game, and people say, oh, this team's back. They found their head coach. So I would caution you, but you already said it, so you have to pick it now.
1: Yeah, no, I'm not holding back. Um, I, I already picked the, the Jaguars to beat Houston at least once this year. They came extremely close last year in Houston with, with Gardner Minshew. I think they lost like 12 to 10 or something. So, it look, I like Gardner Minshew. I like their offensive we- I like their offensive weapons a hell of a lot more than I like Houston's offensive weapons. Mm-hmm. James Robinson's come in as a rookie and done phenomenal. DJ Shark. LaVisca Chenault's done really well. Yeah. So, uh, I like what they have on offense. It's defensively – I think this game turns into somewhat of a shootout. I think that we get, you know, a 35-30 win for Jacksonville. I think, you know, Garner Mitchell's going to be running around with his, you know, Uncle Rico mustache and his mullet <laughs> flying through the wind. Um, and as much as I love Deshaun Watson, I think that there's just nothing there for him. Yeah. And – You know, it's great that they got rid of Bill O'Brien to try to, you know, plan for the future. But they should have done that before he traded away, you know, DeAndre Hopkins.
0: So absolutely. So,
1: yeah, I'm going to pick the Jaguars. So my three are Indianapolis to beat the Browns, the Rams to beat Washington, the Jaguars to beat the Texans.
0: Okay, and I got the Bucks over the Bears for Thursday Night Football. Uh, I got the Cardinals over the Jets and I got the Seahawks over the Vikings. I'm sitting at seven and five. You're sitting at eight and four. We will see uh, who takes the lead coming into after week five is over.
1: That we will. And then we will be back. Actually, yeah, let's make this announcement now. We can announce it on Twitter here uh, as well. So next Wednesday, um, we'll see if we do a show Tuesday as well, but we might actually move it back to Wednesday just because we do have a guest coming on, two-time Super Bowl champion quarterback for my Pittsburgh Steelers. Ike Taylor will be joining us on Laces Out. So uh, I'm excited to talk
0: about – I know I'm excited – I know you're probably shaking yeah. right now because that, that's excited. your Steelers. I can't imagine if, you know, one of my legendary Bills came on the show. So we got, we got another awesome guest. We can't thank our guests enough for coming on the show. We've had so many in the past and it's just going to keep going. So, uh, yeah, keep up with us. We'll, we're, we'll announce it on Twitter too, but anybody that's listening right now might get the sneak peek if they don't look at Twitter, but, uh, you guys can find all of our stuff on Twitter at laces out P T S T that's our podcast account and then my personal account you can find me at kurt k-u-r-t homiser h-a-u-m-e-s-s-e-r 88 all your bill stuff i don't know what i'm gonna do with myself this sunday no bills to watch <laughs> i will maybe relax and uh flip through a couple games but we'll, we'll see where can they find you pal
1: you are the king of the segue and spelling out your name on your twitter handle you can find me at Jay Bailey nfl all your Steelers and gambling stuff throughout the week um any NFL news that comes through you know you're going to get my opinion on it so Jay Bailey NFL will tweet out the stuff about Ike Taylor we'll tweet this episode later today thank you for joining us as always for Kurt Hamas I'm Jared Bailey this is Laces Out we'll talk to you next week with Ike Taylor
0: see ya thank you for listening to Believe